Welcome to Days Your Update for November 14th, 2021. I'm your host, Chris Logi. I'm Brandon Perkins. And I'm Dan Red Victorio. All right. Yeah, we are back with a full crew this yep. week. Holidays are coming up. The big releases are out here. Uh, we're talking about a good bit of them. We got a good bit of news as well. Oh, yeah. Uh, a bunch of stuff happened this week, like stuff going on sale, getting takeoff of sale, yep. uh, various other things. Uh, we got some releases coming up here in the next uh, month or so, as well as yep. some stuff uh, not coming out when we expected. Mm-hmm. Uh, this time around, it's two platforms yep. that are, they were supposed to be out later this year. Yeah. decided to uh, not do that. So, And we got a few more things after that, some stuff that got announced and some Mostly good news. Yeah. Uh, not too much in the, the way of negative stuff this week, so that is that is great. Mm. Uh, but before we get to all of that news, we'll be talking about what we've been playing. And I will yeah. start here. Uh, I've been playing some of the uh, Grand Theft Auto, the trilogy, the definitive edition. Uh, yeah. I played San Andreas on the Xbox Game Pass, and I just bought the trilogy a little bit ago earlier today and started playing some GTA three yeah, uh, on the PS five there. So that's been that. And so far, just from playing like a, a few hours of each of those games, the, the quality is mostly there, but it feels like a game that got released, got forced to be released too early yeah. maybe with a smaller budget than it should have had mm-hmm. you know, a smaller team. Maybe. Uh, I don't know the the ins and outs of the developer itself, but it seems very much like this is a collection that should have had you know all the resources put on it that it needed, especially if you're trying to celebrate the you know twentieth anniversary of GTA 3's launch mm-hmm. uh, with this whole trilogy here of three of the best selling games of that generation. Yeah, probably the three best selling games of that generation. Arguably, and, yeah. And yeah, those are games that set, set the tone big time on what open world games could be, especially 3D open world games. Uh, and yeah, the probably put more time into San Andreas. I uh, did a stream on Thursday with that, I believe. Uh, a lot of the issues I saw were mostly just weird, like physics bugs. Uh, occasionally, the AI just being weird in the way that they react to things. Uh, so a lot of the early missions, you're ending on a bicycle yeah. driving around. And uh, I would go into wheelies and be able to do things with that that did not seem anywhere close to. Yeah, like doing donuts or something. Yeah, I'd be doing donuts, just moving uh, any way I want. Yeah. Uh, even though typically when you're doing a wheelie, you're generally going forward or stopping. <laughs> Uh, but I was able to just go left, right, uh, donuts, spinning around. And this game wasn't built to do like trick stuff. So this wasn't normal stuff in that. Mm -hmm. Uh, Occasionally just driving around, hitting poles. And Mm -hmm. instead of the pole, just like falling down and you moving on, it would get caught and you just get your car launched into the air. Yeah. Uh, Nothing like huge, but, uh, I was doing a mission in GTA 3 where I was supposed to uh, 
kill this guy that I was running a, I forget, like a sushi shop or something in the triad mm-hmm. district and chasing him around on a vehicle, uh, trying to ram into him. I had a big van and he had a, just a small car sedan. Uh, running into people sometimes, they get launched like 100 feet in the air, it seemed like. Uh, their model just go whoop, right, right off screen. I'm like, well, okay. Mm-hmm. That's not how physics work, but uh, maybe it did in GTA 3. I don't know. The GTA 3 seemed better uh, from the the like two hours I played of that. Uh, there wasn't as many like egregious things, but also it's not as ambitious of a game in terms mm-hmm. of the way you can move around and all that. Uh, you just have vehicles to drive. No bikes or motorcycles or anything. Mm. You can't climb anything. Uh, so you're just kind of awkwardly trying to jump and see if that jump is high enough to get up onto yep. things around there. Uh, so it's a much more limited physically kind of game. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I did find some fun in just driving my vehicle around, crashing into things until it caught on fire, leaving it a, you know next to other cars and watching it all explode catching the next thing on fire and exploding and mm-hmm. doing that kind of fun little bit of shenanigans. But yeah, San Andreas uh, definitely had some issues where occasionally when I just either intentionally or accidentally crashed, like other AI drivers would just start going nuts. Yeah. Uh, losing their mind, crashing on their own, whatever in ways that were just weird to me that I don't mm-hmm. recall from the early parts of that game. Yeah. Uh, and that's a game I never got out of the initial city, so I've never gotten further on. But it seems like definitely one of the the consistent things between the games is that the rain effect is not good at all. Mm-hmm. It's like a filter. And it, you can see this in the beginning of G, uh, GTA 3, you know, because it's set on essentially uh, Long Island mm-hmm. uh, in New York. Uh which is which are islands, three islands you're set on, and so it's showing the this rain that's happening, and you can see like from the raindrops that it, there's like set patterns, so you're just constantly seeing lines of drops mm-hmm. going every which way. Uh, but then when you see it trying to show like oh the the ocean or whatever the bay that's around there, uh, mm-hmm. the the rain effect goes behind the the water mm-hmm. and in front of everything else, and it looks yeah. just so weird and awkward kind of thing. And I think people have flown planes in San Andreas where uh, it can, they can reverse it going upwards mm-hmm. in a plane. Cause Which... the, the weird way that physics work in that with mm-hmm. the, that effect. That's like, that's not right. That's not right at all. Uh, yeah. There's like a, there's like a million little nitpicks and weird quirks stuff. That's probably going to get mostly fixed up. And if it does, it'll be a good collection to get. It's just not as polished as it should be, considering how important these three games are to uh, the history of the past, you know, twenty years of gaming, uh, and you know the the main story of the last what is this four platforms, mm-hmm. four generations. Considering those original three games were the biggest selling games of that generation mm-hmm. with uh, GTA five being one of the biggest selling games of all time, despite it launching on a PS three and Xbox 360 and still is uh, selling incredibly well here in mm-hmm. 2021 as yes. it's still going to hit the new consoles, mm-hmm. despite nobody really knowing uh, what benefits they're getting out of that technically. 
Mm-hmm. So that's kind of the the impressions of that stuff early on. And I'm also kind of looking for stuff that uh, maybe doesn't hold up uh, with the way that society has changed on the way we uh, do stereotypes and such. Mm-hmm. Uh, especially with uh, San Andreas, it's you know all about black culture as it relates to like Compton sort of uh, stuff here in the early parts. You know, hanging in the hood with uh, the guys are using the N-word a lot uh, because they're, you know, black. Uh, a lot of that kind of stuff that I'm curious about. Uh, I've had what, one mission where you get this guy that's, I think, just gotten out of prison. He's a rapper. Mm-hmm. And he's mad at this guy that has uh, apparently stolen his lyrics or his music or whatever. Mm-hmm. So you go to confront him, and he very much has a uh, like gay voice to him as he's yelling about you know uh, having sex in prison, that kind yeah. of stuff. Uh, a lot of weird. That that whole thing was weird, especially because it was a a mission where you're just driving the bike after him, and your mm-hmm. guy that's falling that's uh, on the the back of your bike is just shooting at him, and that just took an absurdly long amount of time. Because uh, they don't put any sort of meters, so you have no clue like how far that's uh, how long that's going to take. Mm. But I did like that a lot of those missions early on take like five minutes or less mm. uh, compared to like GTA Five missions where you get lots of uh, story up front and you drive it over to this place. It takes a while, uh, all this kind of stuff where it's just like, oh, this takes so long. And here I'm popping through like five, six missions in like thirty minutes. Like, oh, this is moving pretty quick, even though I know it's a huge game with a lot of side stuff in it. You know, managing your uh, CJ's, you know, health and all that kind of stuff. Uh, so, yeah, that's kind of the impressions of that stuff uh, so far. Liking it, there's definitely a lot of rough edges around those games. Uh, so I'm hoping they fix some of that stuff. And it seems like the PC version that is exclusive to that Rockstar Games launcher Mm -hmm. Maybe having a really rough launch, maybe the Switch as well. Uh, Not being very good versions, which is not a huge surprise. Mm. Uh, But yeah, that's uh, that's kind of that so far. Uh, Let's see. Also been playing Forza Horizon 5. Did a stream on that on Tuesday uh, when it came out. I've been playing some of it since then. I'm liking it a lot. It's got some things that are improved upon Forza Horizon 4. Uh, it seems like they're still doing the season thing as far as like every week it's a new season, but since it's in Mexico, it's not like, oh, there's one week every month that is uh, snow and it's really hard to control your vehicles. Mm-hmm. Uh, at least the certain kind of vehicles are not good on snow, that kind of stuff. It seems like it's more like, oh, here's like a rainy season. Here's a more dusty, dust storm-ish season, you know, that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, so... I hopped on. It was apparently a new season, and I couldn't tell what it was. So I think that's more because uh, a lot of Mexico is like desert. Yeah. Which limits the variety of that kind of stuff. But mm. yeah, the dust storm stuff is pretty neat. They introduce you to that early on. And sort of the, the intro stuff they do in every one of those games. Mm. Where you get to drive a few vehicles around is like the intro for this whole thing. Mm. But yeah, this one, this game, also the story and all that kind of feels like it's a game that's slightly about gentrification. 
mm-hmm. as all these like Instagram, like car Instagram influencers are rushing into this area of Mexico to destroy everything. They even reference in some of the dialogue that there's like a team that's exclusively for rebuilding shit you've broken. Uh, which I'm like, yeah, that makes sense. Instead of making these people pay for all the the stupid shit you're doing to their towns and their deserts and all that kind of stuff. Uh, but yeah, there's they got more seasonal stuff as far as uh, like online focused things, trying to earn extra cars. They throw enough cars at you that you're kind of never uh, never too short for good vehicles to drive around in. Mm-hmm. But they do have seasonal events that you can do. Uh, the first one they had, I think, was for mainly for the early access people. Because when I got on at launch, it was basically saying like that season ended in like a day and a half. Yeah. And I was kind of turned off by it because a lot of the challenges were like had specific restrictions to them for like a maker and uh, class and style of car that it was. And it was really hard to figure out like what car is supposed to be. Anytime I tried to Google for information about this, it was just articles about how the others, you know, a rainy season in this game and every week and it changes and all this kind of stuff. And I'm like, Oh, this is impossible to Google for. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that stuff, cause it was like, there's more than just races. Uh, they do some of the like PR stunt stuff. So speed zones and drift zones and all that kind of stuff. There's stuff for that as well. But yeah, just trying to navigate the map to figure out like what it what it needs. They do make it easier to swap cars, mm-hmm. uh, so you don't necessarily have to go back to your your homes that you buy to do it every single time. But mm-hmm. if you are in one of your homes, you can't view that information from there, so it makes it a little harder to to know like what sort of car you need to pull out. Uh, that kind of stuff. I feel like it's just should just have a way of pulling up your uh, your library of cars and tell you, like, oh, these ones work for this. You know, maybe ones that you need to tune up to the the level that they need, but they don't do that kind of stuff super easily. Mm-hmm. And as well as some of the PR stunts, you know, like your your speed checks, your speed zones, drift zones, all that kind of stuff, the, mm-hmm. the big jumps. Uh need to start showing you what you need to hit the the different, you know, the one, two, three stars on them uh, when you're doing them. Because, uh, mm-hmm. like, the drift zones or the speed zones just show you what your current, you know, point or time is. And you have to, you're forced to part uh, or pause to just check the map and see what it is instead of it just putting that on the on the UI for you. Like make it make your life simpler, but yeah, there's a there's a lot to like to that game, and it, but it's uh it's weird because it's kind of at the point with Forza Horizon games that the racing is kind of the least interesting part of it. Uh, just kind of going around the areas, finding you know the the barn finds, doing these you know in world events that don't require you loading into a race. Uh, a lot of that kind of stuff is more uh, enjoyable. Uh, they do have the sort of live event stuff. I think it was called like Forzathon something last time around. This time it's called Horizon Arcade, where it just asks a bunch of people to come to this area to do some simple uh, goals, and you earn points and maybe rewards out of it. 
uh, they put a they put a handful of them around the map at the same time. So from what I've experienced, the the first few days of the game's launch, nobody ever did them. Uh, you go over hangouts, nobody would ever show up. Maybe you get one person that drove through, and they mm-hmm. get automatically tagged as being involved, even though they're not. Uh, so you could just sit and see the timer running down when you do that. Uh, and it doesn't scale for the amount of people that are in there. So it'll maybe it's like, oh, run through the speed trap and get, you know, like maybe 10,000 miles per hour total mm. between if you're one person, that's impossible to get. Uh, if you have like a few people, you can uh, probably do it with enough work, but you know, they're made for, you know, at least like five to 10 people to jump in and do it. Mm-hmm. Uh, they need, they need ways of scaling up and down uh, for that stuff. Uh, so they're doable, not just like a waste of time. I think I've only had one that ever got to like the second or third round. And that was one I drove through accidentally because I was going to one of the big events. So uh, then I saw that it was actually like progressing in a way. It was like, oh, they might get to the second round. And I turned around and drove that way. Mm-hmm. to help out now one was like drive through these pinatas that are randomly around this area that kind of thing mm. uh, the other nice thing they do is in forza horizon 4 they had lots of these like story missions that you do that would add you know a bunch of icons to the map as you do them and they've found ways to limit that stuff early on so if you do enough of the in-game achievements that they call accolades they unlock you got like a point for your uh, Horizon Festival accolade system, whatever they do, or they call it adventures. I think that is one of those like story missions. Usually, uh, there's like six variants for the six different like uh, headquarters in the festivals. So, uh, I think the the first few are usually story related, and the last one's like here's this huge race. Uh, that they keep saying the the two or three times I've done them is like this is the biggest race in Forza Horizon Festival history. Uh, one was like thirty four miles long. Another one was basically a race around the entire map, around the edges. Uh, some of that kind of stuff. Uh, so they do a better job of keeping that stuff off of the map from just filling it with you know a barf load of icons. Mm. But it still kind of it still kind of is that just through them adding other things to the map. Uh, mm. So you don't necessarily get, uh, they don't limit how much stuff you see of a type of race or event uh, until you do more of it. They kind of just throw it all on there now. And mm. the, uh, I need to check how the, the filtering works. Cause usually it's in four, it would just reset itself randomly whenever it felt like, which was always kind of annoying. Cause it was like, I want uh, just to see this kind of stuff. And occasionally some event would happen where when I go back to the the map, the the person that's, you know, the head of the festival talks to you and there's like, oh, there's new stuff for you to do. And I'm like, God damn it. Stop. Shut up. I want I don't have interest in anything you're telling me right now where mm. uh, you're kind of just forced to listen to them interrupt. They still kind of do that every time you open up an accolade point to put in your adventures. It stops everything you're doing, stops your car pulls up this map and you have to then hit back from there to go back to what you're doing. But then you're stopped. So if you're trying to do a speed trap and you're interrupted in the middle of that, you just get stopped. It's not a pausing situation. Uh, there's a lot of weird stuff like that that I would hope they would fix at some point. 
Though I don't know that they really care at this point because it's been stuff that's happening for the past few games. So mm. I don't know. It's a quality game. It's still got a little nit, a lot of nitpicks that annoy me. The avatar stuff is still in there where you have in the, the wheel spins, you know, pants and shirts and dances and hats and all this kind of stuff that's not interesting at all. Uh, clogging it up from just having more uh, vehicles and uh, money stuff that you can get. So that's kind of the stuff they're still doing. There's less of the dancing, because I don't think there's any points of interest on the map, mm-hmm. where in 4 you would just go, and then your avatar would be doing whatever dance you set for them. So by the end, I had uh, her doing the Macarena, looking really stupid, as she's you know showing off these British landmarks kind of thing. Now they just add it to a counter as like a part of the collectibles. They don't stop you for any of that stuff, so they're doing some good stuff. Streamlining some things. Other things still need work on that. But I'm sure they'll do a 6 at some point. But that's Forza Horizon 5. Uh, let's see. I streamed some gas station simulator yesterday. That is just a a game where you are running a gas station that you've ran into on, I think they call it Route 66, in the highway. And you decide to buy it and find out, oh, this one actually belonged to your your grandfather and your uncle helps you acquire it and helps you run it. Mm-hmm. Uh, when I started up the uh, the game for this stream, I got to the point where they started introducing you to the idea of getting loans to help you pay for stuff, and then had one that required you to pay back. He's like, oh, you got to pay me back, though I'm not giving you a free ride here. And it was like, what was it? It was uh, 5000 bucks, and it gave me a limit of like five minutes to pay it back. And I was like, I haven't made even that much total so far, much less having it right now. So then you obviously fail it. And as you go out to uh, outside, I think the mafia pulls up and beats you up. It's like a weird story moment. I wasn't expecting. Uh, Then you get a call from your uncle who's like, Oh, I'm so sorry about that. They weren't supposed to beat you up because that their wires crossed on this. He like takes care of the loan and all that stuff. Uh, apologizes and tells you like, oh, if you need an actual loan, then uh, you know you can apply for it in the in the the computer that you have for all that kind of shopping stuff you do to supply the the gas station with gas and taking trash away. Now I have uh, shelves for food and drink items for people to buy. So I have there's like a little mini game for uh, when they're ready to buy. And, you move the conveyor belt up with their items and you can scan it and drop it in the basket. Uh, people get mad if you give them a free item. If you mm-hmm. forget to scan something. So if you keep holding down the, the conveyor belt button and an item goes in before it gets scanned, you can't just pick it up to scan it because that'd be too realistic. But uh, that's one of the weird things because now there's, there's like popularity ratings. You know, if you keep everything clean and do a good job with all your service stuff. You get mm-hmm. rated, and as your level goes up, you get more stuff you can do. So now I have a car shop as well. Yeah. That's really confusing because it doesn't tell me the status of the items. Uh, I can look at, like, you know, battery and tires and all this, and I'm like, I don't know if I'm supposed to. I assume if it's red, that means it probably needs to be replaced. Uh, but then it's like, oh, there's a battery. Like, I don't have any batteries because uh, that needs a higher level than I have. 
I don't know. There's that's part of it's like weirdly confusing, but uh, the game itself's still pretty good. It's just uh, it's definitely rough around the edges. So enjoying that. Uh, today I streamed Tempest Four Thousand. That is the the Jeff Minter game that came out. That I was reading a bit of the wiki just to understand how that came to be because that that came as a result of TXK coming out on the Vita. That was very much like a like his Tempest 2000 game that came out on the new one, I think. Mm-hmm. And uh, TXK Atari found out about that and threatened to sue him for releasing this Tempest style game. Uh, and I think this is what came out of it. And I think at Tempest 4000, the the wiki was saying this is a a version of TXK, sort of redone as Tempest 4000. That they at Atari has, you know, published. There's a physical version. I got it at Best Buy for ten bucks. I think on PSN it was thirty bucks. Steam is like twenty bucks for some reason. Uh, so I was like, well, ten bucks for a physical version. That seems like a, a good deal. So I got that with my uh, Blu-rays I picked up for Black Friday stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I was playing that, and it definitely was Tempest uh, style. You know, moving around the the tunnel stages there's a bunch of different designs for them but you got enemies sort of moving their way up you're trying to kill them to stop them you'll get power-ups that give you more powerful shots you can take eventually the ability to jump and get an ai droid that helps you shoot enemies that kind of stuff uh it's very trippy like jeff mentor games are uh so that was uh, a fun time did play for a full two hours like after about 40 minutes or so I switched over to mm-hmm. Polybius because I was like, I want to play another Jeff Minter game. And Polybius is definitely a whole other weird uh, bit of Jeff Minter goodness. So that was a, that was a fun stream uh, for that. So if you're into Tempest and want to get a, a very weird release that doesn't really make sense most uh, uh, for what it is, mm-hmm. uh, Tempest 4000 is worth checking out. Uh, and then I also played Shimagama Tensei 5, the newest Atlas JRPG that I'm about like four hours in or so. Mm-hmm. Uh, that game has been pretty good so far. Definitely still in the early parts of that game where it's still introducing things to me. Uh, but the areas are nice and open. You're in kind of this desert, mm-hmm. uh, desert-covered version of Tokyo. Mm. Uh, right now I'm moving towards Tokyo Tower that is still like one of the surviving landmarks and you're as you're moving through the city you're kind of learning more about what happened here where the people are at you know all that kind of stuff Uh, as the the big thing here is that you're kind of uh, in the real world things Mm. aren't going so well like these shadows have somehow started attacking people and so, like, you're in your school, the get an announcement, like, oh, students should be at least partnering up uh, so keep each other's backs when uh, going home. And so you decide to go with these uh, four people. Uh, but there's a killing in the train station, so that's all shut down. And one of the buddies you go with runs off to supposedly answer a call. And... Uh, disappears and you find him in this tunnel that's uh, with you and a couple other people that have gone into there 
uh, it collapses and then you're transported into uh, a version of Tokyo that is covered in sand with uh, demons all around the place, uh, some angels and such. So you're kind of partnering up with this uh, character. I forget what his name is, but he, it's like Aogami, something like that, but he essentially like fuses himself into your body that puts you in this new form that initially looks like a, you know, like a, a woman uh, with long hair, but it's, it's a male form. Mm-hmm. Uh, they, you know, constantly use he, him uh, pronouns. So that made that uh, make a little more sense, but yeah, you're kind of exploring, talking to demons to try and recruit them. Uh, some will have, you know, limitations to that. Uh, depending on like the, there's like a, a moon phase thing that you'll see on there, where it's just moving as you're going. Some demons won't talk during certain phases, that kind of stuff. So there's there's a lot of little things. It's definitely pulling a lot from the other Shimagama Tensei games and Persona stuff in there. Uh, but it's been a lot of fun. It has a nice style to it. it has some nice music, some nice uh, like J Rock style battle music in there to it that is uh pretty good and yeah still working my way through it so not really too much else to say but it's been a lot of fun so far so that's been largely it for me brandon how about you well as for me i'm still primarily playing fallout 4 um i am i think i'm actually getting fairly close to the end now um but uh the Overall storyline is sort of winding down. It's getting to the point where I'm getting ready to start to actually fight and probably take out the Brotherhood of Steel, like, for good, which is once you get to that point in a Fallout game, or at least these recent Fallout games, that's usually a pretty good sign that you're getting pretty close to the end because once one of the factions is gone, that means that the other... Regular ones are getting ready to have a big old conflict somewhere at the center of the map. Um, but, you know, it's, you know, it's Fallout 4. It's still a lot of fun. Um, and it'll be the first time I've actually managed to play the game to completion because I've never actually finished Fallout 4. Um, I've gotten pretty far into it. I just never got around to finishing it. Partly due to the fact that Fallout 4... Um, you can tell by playing it that they basically built it using the guts of Skyrim. And the thing with Skyrim is it's a lot of fun, but it can also be kind of overwhelming at times um, with just the sheer amount of stuff that you can do at any given time. Um, especially with Fallout 4 when it comes to stuff like you know having to keep up you know settlements and stuff, which you know can be fun on its own, but after a while it can just be a hassle. Um, I'm also playing, uh, Celeste, which of course, pretty much I think everyone knows that game by now. Puzzle platformer, fairly, uh, you know, difficult. It's not exactly difficult to control, but it's, uh, very much, you know, tests your reflexes and your ability to not screw up, (laughs) which I constantly do. Hence why I've not gotten very far into it just yet. Um, And I also decided to uh, download Dishonored 2 again because I still have not finished that and I want to. 
and you know it's dishonored too it's a great game uh but yeah that's pretty much been me what about you dan Rob? yeah the games i've been playing lately have been a breath of fresh air to uh say the least um after mm. like spending more than a month playing far cry 6 uh so mm. i'm playing guardians of the galaxy right now um Alex will be the one reviewing it, so um, I'm not really worried about, you know, uh, beating it uh, too quickly. Um, but the game is uh, pretty much what I thought it would be. Um, you're, you know, you're using Star-Lord, uh, going through various um, uh, predictable areas and uh, having a bunch, a bunch of banter with the other Guardians. And um, the main thing is that it hasn't really pulled me in as much as I, as I hoped it would. Like, the, the story is actually fantastic from what I've been playing so far. Um, but what I don't like is that um, Star Lord doesn't isn't really like encouraged to like use or, or um, have melee attacks. Like he he has them there, but for the most part, you're just shooting things to oblivion and then using Gamora, Drax, Groot, and Raku or um, Rocket's abilities to you know uh, plow through enemies and enemies. Um, the boss fights are, are all uh, pretty difficult from what I've experienced so far, which is kind of weird considering a lot of the reviews I've heard said that the um, combat is more simplistic than it should be. And I don't feel that way at all. I feel like it's a little bit more complicated than it should be. But, you know, uh, those are the bricks. And uh, yeah, again, I'm really enjoying the game so far, but it hasn't pulled me in the way that I hoped. Um, aside from that, I've also been playing a lot of Mario Party Superstars. Um, so for those of you that have like followed us for a while, like I've been looking forward to this game for a while because it's exactly what I've wanted out of the Mario Party series for the past few years now. Like if you've mm -hmm. played you know, Mario Party 9, Mario Party 10, Super Mario Party, they've kind of strayed away from the basic formula. Like, you know, uh, the board games and the mini games are all still there and they're all still solid, but um, it didn't really feel like uh, an individualistic uh, competitive game at all. Whereas this sort of takes it back to it root to its roots. Like the the whole key the whole key selling point to this game is the fact that it's pretty much, you know, an all-star Mario Party game. Like it takes the best boards and the best games from like um the first seven games in the series as far as I'm concerned. And you know, it just <clears throat> brings back everything that was fun about them. Um it's feeling really nostalgic because, you know, I'm a, I'm a pretty big Mario Party fan. I played a lot when I was a kid, uh, especially the, the the first three games on the N64. So being able to go through Peach's Birthday Cake and the Koopa Troopa Beach are all really awesome, hearing all of the old music and stuff like that. And the, the main things that I'm really missing is the fact that, you know, once every turn is over and you have the minigame Rowlet there, um, I miss, like, the uh, the mystery of like seeing like what game will be chosen because like you know if if you haven't unlocked a game they would show they would show three question marks whereas with this one all of the games are visible and you know uh, once the roulette ends like you already know what you're going to play and um so if if you're a fan of the series and know what every mini game is it's like you don't really have that into anticipation of like the unknown because you kind of know what everything is already um but that being said there's a lot of like quality of life updates here as well like um Especially if you're going into a minigame you've never played before, the common practice in previous Mario Party games would be to go ahead and practice it. Um, and you'd pretty much see um, the description of the game, what the rules are and how to play it, and then you go ahead and practice it by pressing the Z button and you go through a whole complete round. Uh, now, um, you actually have the option to practice the game as you're reading the instructions, because you have like a screen within the screen where the game is already happening, 
and you know you you feel like you're wasting a whole lot less time because you don't really feel like you you have to go through the full round like once you get it you can go ahead and start the real mini game and to go from there and that's really the cool thing about this game like um it's a whole lot faster uh you know you roll your dice you watch your character go, go that many spaces and it's all uh done pretty quickly you can go ahead and skip um computer turns uh during mini games that require you to 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 uh, take a turn and all that stuff. So, you know, if you've ever been a fan of Mario Party, especially in the past with the N64, like, this is an immediate purchase. This is actually one of my favorite games of the year. I don't think it'll crack my top ten, but I'm really, really enjoying it, and it's definitely um, one of Nintendo's best party games, like, you know, um, to go alongside Smash and um, uh, Mario Kart and all that. Like, this really is the definitive Mario Party game, and I'm really enjoying it. Um and aside from that, I've also uh, started the Artful Escape on uh, Xbox Live, uh, or not Xbox Live, on Xbox Game Pass. Uh, I haven't made a whole lot of progress with that game yet, but I heard it's a four-hour title, and a lot of people are putting it on their Game of the Year list, so I thought I'd go ahead and give it a try. Um, I did pick up uh, Shin Megami Tensei, but I haven't opened it yet, so I don't, have any, I don't really have much to say about that. So that's about it for Ooh. me. All right. All right, so yeah, let's get to some news here. Mm-hmm. Uh, first up, the Metal Gear Solid 2 and 3 remasters mm-hmm. have been delisted as yeah. of, let me see here, the 8th, uh, mainly because the licensing for the uh, the historical footage in the game has uh, expired. Yeah. I believe they said they are working on uh, new deals for that, uh, so they should hopefully be able to get back up soon enough. Mm-hmm. Yeah, kind of uh, the most Metal Gear way of getting delisted is because of not music, but historical footage. Mm-hmm. So yeah, that's uh, that's a bit of a weird thing there, but yeah. Yeah, uh, yeah that's one of those things just like, you know, it's historical footage. You would You would hope that it would be, you know... That they would be able to waive the rights for artistic purposes, but no, no, especially with the way that Kojima puts it, where it's not often puts them in maybe not full, but very prominent places in the games. Mm-hmm. But yeah, the the remasters for the PS3, Xbox 360, uh, the 3DS version of uh, Metal Gear Solid 3 is on there. Mm-hmm. As far as stuff that's supposed to be getting delisted, uh, so. Yeah, that's uh, yeah. stuff to keep an eye on. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's get to a game I was talking about earlier, GTA Trilogy, uh, the Definitive Edition uh, mm-hmm. on PC. It's not on Steam or Epic Game Store or anything. Yeah, It's on Rockstar's own launcher. Yeah. And apparently that uh, version has been pulled. Uh, no word when it's going to be coming back, no explanation as to why. Yeah, because I've been hearing that apparently the Rockstar launcher has been like down for like a month or something like that uh, it's been down for a couple game for a couple days after launch yeah but it's come back up but still people that have purchased the game on that uh, platform are unable to play it at all mm-hmm. uh, it's not just like people that are buying it are hoping to buy it now aren't able to buy it it's people that have already bought it that cannot play it without maybe some shenanigans. I don't know. But people are trying to figure out like why this is happening at people that 
are uh, the sort of people I data mine seem to have some ideas as to why, because there might be stuff that have been left in the code that should not have been uh, things like some of these songs that are supposedly not, you know, licensed for the game mm-hmm. uh, are still in there. And so it's been uh, supposedly buggy enough on that PC version that people have had it just show up on the radio out of nowhere, despite being, you know, on the list of here's all the, the songs that are not in the game. Yeah. That kind of stuff. And I think you can also, people can edit it just to put them back in. Uh, but also potentially the, the hot coffee code is still in there. Just commented out of the game, but uh, stuff that maybe uh, you wouldn't want to keep in there. At least mm-hmm. keep as accessible for people as possible. But yeah, the fact that they're not being, you know, straightforward with people on this stuff is yeah. not a great look. No, no, it is not. Especially when people are already apprehensive about publisher-specific launchers at this point. Mm-hmm. Uh, especially for Rockstar stuff that's been on, you know, Steam for decades at this point. Yeah. So it seems like it's because this is more rough stuff about the those games, especially on PC. Yeah. And I have been, I've also been hearing people talk about how there's a lot of textures apparently that are out of place as well. Um, like yeah. textures from like one game sort of bleeding over into another, like, you know, textures used for San Andreas showing up in Vice City and stuff like that. Yeah. It's sort of weird what that they must have given them like an old version of this game mm-hmm. uh, to the devs that are, that were working on this, uh, that maybe didn't get around to physically removing this or didn't, realize that stuff was in there i don't know but it's kind of wild that's because i don't know that the the hot coffee stuff is really a big deal because i don't think they've licensed this or gotten it rated for their launcher i could be wrong i haven't used their launcher to see if they you know require Mm -hmm. all the esrb stuff on there Mm -hmm. Uh, i'm not 100 sure on that stuff i have to double check but because they could just sell it as whatever. Yeah. I don't know that that is a big deal, but maybe it is. Just when I can see, they do have a... I know this is for the original San Andreas. Let me see. They do have one for GTA 3, the definitive edition. Mm. Listing, let's see. Oh, that's not it. There we go. Okay, they do have Vice City and... Maybe not San Andreas? Mm-hmm. There's just regular San Andreas, but yeah, one for Vice City, GTA 3, man, not San Andreas. That's weird. Mm-hmm. Maybe it's hidden in the search on this. I don't know. But yeah, that's kind of kind of weird. Yeah, that's just the two that they have are GTA 3 and Vice City. So maybe they had it pulled or something. I don't eh. know. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, they do have it rated for PC as well. So I don't know. Mm. So yeah, maybe when they do get it sorted out, they'll be upfront with people, but I don't know. That doesn't mm. seem like what Rockstar likes to do most of the time. But yeah, yeah. let's Yeah. <sighs> but yeah, let's get to another game I talked about, Forza Horizon five, which yep. Phil Spencer has said is the biggest launch in Xbox Game Studios history. Mm-hmm. Uh they hit over 4.5 million players on launch day. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, bigger than any Xbox game studio launch before it, which you know is bolstered by it being on Game Pass for PC and uh, Xbox. Uh, so that's you know good showing for them. Mm. Uh, saying the peak concurrent for the launch is three times higher than Forza Horizon Four. Mm. So yeah, that's uh, yeah good for them, I guess. Yeah, yeah, definitely uh, a good good surprise. Mm-hmm. Just because they. I think they hit at least 1 million players before launch with the yeah. access stuff. So I've been telling a lot of people gave money to play it early mm-hmm. versus waiting for it on game pass. So there's that. Mm-hmm. Well, let's see. Oh yeah. The uh, tiny Tina's wonderlands. I think is wonderland that's coming out in yeah. March of next year. Yes, it is. Uh, they, have decided to do something that's pretty smart is uh, release that Tiny Tina's Assault on Dragon Keep. Yeah. DLC that was for Borderlands 2 mm-hmm. as a standalone game. Yeah. You can buy it separately and play it and understand at least more about that character yeah. and sort of the, the things she does. Yeah. That uh, is also generally considered the best DLC for that game as well. It's because, yeah. uh, I mean, basically the whole concept is. You know, it's Tiny Tina, and she's basically a dungeon master. And you're basically playing the game's version of D&D with her, you know, leading the campaign. And it basically is just like what you would expect a campaign by her is. It's weird, it's... (laughs) You know, it's silly, it's... It's an early example of, like, a misleading narrator. Yeah. Essentially, she'll say things like... No way, not that, but this thing, you know, mm-hmm. it was a dragon instead or whatever. And then it gets really emotional towards the end because uh, there's a very important character that dies in Borderlands 2 in the, in the main campaign. And basically she is still trying to find a way to get over it. And it becomes pretty clear the, the more you go into that camp, into the DLC. Yep. So it's uh, available now PlayStation, Xbox, and PC on Steam mm-hmm. for 10 bucks. Uh, if you want it for uh, free, you can get it on Epic Game Store before the 16th. That's Tuesday. Uh, you can get that for free there. Mm. So you can check that out. Yeah, Tiny Tina's Wonderland is March 25th next year. Mm-hmm. Uh, so yeah, that's... Uh, Something that you can check out. Mm-hmm. I imagine they probably haven't done too much uh, from it. No. To make it look any better, just probably exactly what was in that uh, Borderlands collection a few years ago. Yeah. I mean, it's still Borderlands 2, yeah. Yeah. So yeah, there's that to check out. And if you've got a Switch, now Twitch is available on it. Mm-hmm. As a has to be on there because it rhymes. Yeah, pretty much. Twitch on Switch. It's like a law of the universe. Yep, so now if you're on the Switch, you can tune into streams from there. I don't really know why you would want to. Mm-hmm. Uh, apparently it's not a very good app. I imagine that's probably a pretty intensive app for a Switch uh, from what I've seen of it on other consoles. Twitch apps are not usually great on those. But so all that is is just a way to watch like other streams, right? It's not a way to you know make it easier. Yeah. 
Okay. I mean, I guess it kind of makes sense. I mean, like, as someone that travels with my Switch pretty frequently, um, I do like that I can, at, at the very least, like, watch YouTube on there with, without having to worry about, you know, HDMI on my laptop or anything like that. Mm. Cool, I guess. Yeah, so that's a, a thing you can do. I'm not sure what capability it has as far as, like, any of the live stream stuff that they have, some people have in their streams. Mm-hmm. Uh, like, polls and all that kind of stuff. I don't know if that is a thing you can do chat, whatever the they have two screenshots on this eShop page, so I don't know too much about what else it can do there. But yeah, from what I've seen from some people saying it doesn't run well and doesn't work so well, so maybe it'll get better. I don't know. Mm. But yeah, that's uh, another thing you can do on the Switch. But let's start talking about some stuff that is coming out soon. Uh, particularly on November 16th, a short hike is reaching the PS5 and Xbox One. Mm-hmm. Uh, it'll be 8 bucks at launch for you to check that out. So that's uh, a pretty neat little game just about exploring this area. It's kind of got a PS1 and 64 kind of style to it. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's something if you haven't picked it up on PC or Switch yet, uh, there's two new platforms for you to check it out on. So there you go. Mm-hmm. Also out this week, this is something that was announced at a state of play earlier this year, Kid Amnesia Exhibition, uh, with the yeah. A separated from Amnesia, because yeah. of the partnership between Radiohead, or, yeah, Radiohead and a developer, uh, where they're doing like a, I don't know, weird like art game thing featuring music from their Kid A and Amnesiac albums. Yeah. So sort of doing some of that stuff in it. Mm. But that'll be out on Thursday. It's a free download. Uh, PS5 and PC. Mm-hmm. So that's uh, something you can check out here later this week. Let's see. On the 16th of December, The Gunk will be out. Yep. As the new game from uh, the team behind the SteamWorld games, Image and Form. Mm-hmm. Uh, they are, I think at this point, they have changed their name, I think, to SteamWorld Games. I believe mm-hmm. so, because uh, Thunderful is the name of the the publishing side of their company now. Mm-hmm. We'll talk a bit about more. They had a showcase earlier this, this past week, and so we'll talk about a handful of the things they, they talked about that were pretty interesting. Because uh, they are starting to get their publishing legs going for some interesting stuff. But yeah, the gunk is going to be on Xbox. I'm not sure if it's out on PC as well, probably, uh, but is one of those Microsoft published games, so it's going to be on Game Pass on day one. So you can check that out. Uh, yeah, they describe it as let's see, a third-person action adventure game about a duo of gritty space haulers, Ranny and Bex, struggling mm-hmm. to make a buck as they chance upon a mysterious planet laden with the wealth of natural resources. Mm-hmm. But yeah, that planet is where they discover the gunk. Mm-hmm. which is damaging the planets. However, said gunk is also worth a lot of money, so they try to figure out what to do with that. So that's uh, that game looks neat. Look mm-hmm. forward to checking that out uh, about a month from now. Uh, let's see. Jump Force, mm-hmm. game that came out, and then promptly nobody, stopped, you know, nobody talked about it after launch. Yeah, it bombed pretty hard. Yeah, it's... 
had some potential, but they picked weird art style for it. Mm-hmm. And it just seemed like the game itself maybe wasn't what people really wanted, but they also kind of, um, to be completely frank, they kind of misadvertised it because the they made it out to be like, you know, you're playing all these characters from, you know, Shonen Jump that have been famous throughout the ages. But what they don't tell you is that you're primarily playing like your own made character and you, you know. It, they they didn't really do much to advertise what the game actually was, which is part of the reason why so many people were disappointed with it. Yeah, yeah, it was it was really made out to be like a hell of a crossover between different Shonen Jump anime and you know manga in general, mm-hmm. and that was part of the excitement. I actually had no issues with the art style. I actually liked the art style a lot, but like when I actually got my hands on the game, I think it was primarily through Xbox Game Pass. I didn't pay for it. Um, it was like it was just un- uninteresting. And it's funny because, like, um, now that this news came out, it's like when I'm reading all the responses on Twitter and whatnot, it's like, oh, people are saying, oh, man, like, what a shame. I'm like, nobody played this. Come on, give me a break. And, like, it's funny because now people are trying to buy out all the inventory for all the um, physical versions of the game. Like, they think it'll be rare. And I'm like, I don't know if you'll see much value in this one, but, you know, I could be wrong. Yeah. But, yeah, Jump Force is going to be delisted next year. Uh, February 7th. 2022 specifically at 5 p.m. PST. So uh, they also say that the servers are going to be going down. Uh, what time frame? I think it's like in August, something like that. Uh, so yeah, that is uh, yeah. Where is that? Oh, the online service ends. Yeah, August 25th. Uh, th- yeah, Thursday or no, the 24th in America. 6 p.m. between 6 p.m. and 10 p.m. Pacific time. So that's that. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, PC, uh, Xbox, uh, PlayStation, and I think it came to Switch in some form. Mm. Yeah, Switch as well. So you're going to lose all the online functionality, like multiplayer, online events, clan stuff, uh, getting your rewards, in-game store stuff, premium shop, and yeah, online ranked matches. But just have access mm-hmm. to offline content, online battles. Not sure how that is. Uh, let's see, all the DLC. Mm. So yeah, that's uh, a game that's kind of a, a missed opportunity for the potential ahead. But yeah, yeah. yeah let's talk about stuff that uh, is not missed opportunity yet because they haven't come out and they won't be coming out for a little bit longer. Mm-hmm. And what I've called this week delay again, because these are two handheld platforms that have been delayed. Mm. Uh, there's Valve's Steam Deck, was supposed to come out in December, at least the first batch of deck Steam Decks. Uh, we're going to be coming out here sometime next month. That is not going to be happening anymore. Mm-hmm. They say it'll be out sometime in February. Uh, saying, putting out a statement saying, we're sorry about this. We did our best to work around global supply chain issues, but due to material shortages, components aren't reaching our manufacturing facilities in time for us to meet our initial launch dates. Based on our updated build estimates, Steam Deck will start shipping to customers February 2022. This will be the new start date of the reservation queue. All reservation holders keep their place in line, but dates will shift back accordingly. So yeah, that's uh, not surprising at all. Mm-hmm especially because the only times I've seen any sort of word about 
the Steam Deck has been like, oh, here's you know a dev that has games on Steam that's talking about having one. Yeah, right now mine here just says after Q2 2022 mm-hmm. that I reserved in July. All of them say that now if you're going to pick one to reserve. So good luck with that. Seems more nebulous now. Like sometime like, ah, uh, Q2 maybe. Maybe later. Mm-hmm. Uh, we'll see. But yeah, that is uh, a shame, but not really surprising. Yeah. I don't think people are realizing that this thing is not being produced in huge quantities, like anywhere close to like what PS5 and Xbox Series X and S are being made in. Because uh, it's only going to be available from one retailer uh, through Steam mm-hmm. uh, for the time being. So you got a couple more months to wait for this, for your money to go straight to Valve in exchange for one of those. Uh, but along with it, the Playdate. Mm-hmm. Remember that thing, the crank-powered uh, console mm-hmm. that was supposed to be out later this year. I don't know if they had a specific date yet, but they basically emailed their early buyers that they are going to be uh, delaying it. Uh, as they say here, the first 5,000 units rolled off the assembly line, and the... Uh, Developer Panic found serious issues with the batteries. It's about mm. the same power source as previously working just fine in the pre-release builds, uh, said the game devs. Uh, they say Playdates, Playdates battery is designed to last a very long time and always be ready for you, even if it's not used for a while. But that was mm. not the case. In fact, we found a number of units with batteries so drained, Playdate wouldn't power on at all and couldn't be charged. That's a battery worst-case scenario. After a months-long all-hands-on-deck uh, hands stress test, Panic concluded the current batteries simply weren't up to the quality they intended for the playdate mm-hmm. and halted manufacturing until the problem could be resolved. So yeah, they're getting new batteries from a new supplier, which means a slight delay on the first round of pre-orders, which now won't ship until early 2022. Uh, no date for that yet. Uh, but yeah, they found a workaround for the chip shortage that's affecting every other platform as they say here, since the parts they needed were on back order for over two years, the company revised the Playdate's main board to use a different CPU entirely, one that's much easier to get its hands on. Mm. Uh, so that kind of simplifies things for them. So that's uh, great news. But yeah, you're going to have to wait a little bit longer here for one of these cool-looking uh, handheld devices. I don't ever get one of those, but it, the, the games they've shown that Playdate has on their Twitter look really cool. Mm-hmm. The way they're using those things. Yeah, the the play date is not something that I actually pre-ordered or anything, but you know I'm happy for those that are uh, interested in it. There are a lot of like interesting factors that should keep it like legitimate in the space. Uh, obviously, it's not trying to compete with anything, so that should help it. But yeah, it's unfortunate seeing these delays, but it's also pretty cool that they're finding uh, different verbiage to talk about you know missing components and things like that, and that's that that's unfortunate. Um, what I'm wondering, though, um, aside from when the playdate actually comes out, is why a company like Valve, who like has total um, total vision over the entire industry, is deciding to delay the Steam Deck to February. February is a full ass month. Like nobody is gonna have any money for a $700 handheld in February just because of all the cool games coming out that month, assuming that they actually do come out. So I'm like, like, what are you, what are you guys doing? Are you guys really trying to hit, hit your fiscal quarter that bad? Because, like, you know, you can release it in March. It wouldn't hurt then. But 
I don't know. Whatever. Well, they're going to release it alongside those big games. That's terrible. <laughs> I mean, the people that are going to be buying this thing, especially the the most expensive version, are you know hopefully have the disposable income to make up for all that to get what they want if they're you know, sort of people that build their own PC and all that, which is a pretty expensive proposition anyway. Uh, get one of these things should hopefully not be putting them in the the financial bank like that too hard. Mm. But yeah, that's uh, something to be interesting to see how that goes. But yeah, I don't think they're trying to sell you know a million units at launch or anything. Mm-hmm. I could see maybe like ten thousand or so over that first period or something like that. Something fairly small that's manageable. Because mm-hmm. it seems like they're going to be shipping them out in waves as they. Uh, get there. I think get everything together and ready to go. Mm-hmm. <sighs> yeah. Oh. But yeah, that's uh, that's that. Let's get to some new announcements here. Thunderful had uh, a new uh, showcase of sorts, showing off a bunch of the games they're publishing. Uh, one of the the big ones here is the next SteamWorld game, SteamWorld Headhunter which is a fully 3D game and is a follow-up to SteamWorld Dig 2. As they say, it's a direct follow-up to, quote-unquote, the literally earth-shattering events of SteamWorld Dig 2. Mm -hmm. A full 3D co-op action-adventure experience. And sort of in the uh, wake of that announcement, they made SteamWorld Dig 2 free on Steam and GOG. Uh, Mm -hmm. That ended on November 11th. So that is over by the time this is uh, this podcast is going live. So, yep. But that's exciting. There's a little teaser trailer there if you want to check it out. Yeah, it looks pretty neat. Looking forward to that. Mm. See, whatever this is, the teaser trailer doesn't really have much going on there. It's just a, a standoff between two robots. Mm-hmm. So there's that. Uh, let's see. This next one, they announced a new game that Zoink Games is making. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's called Wavetail. Looks pretty cool. A third-person action-adventure game that is already out on Stadia. As of when they announced this, they put it up there on Stadia for $29.99. It's free for Stadia Pro subscribers. It'll be coming to consoles and PC next year. Mm-hmm. Uh, so yeah, it's got a really nice art style to it. Uh, the trailer looks really nice. It's Kind of reminds me of, like, uh, crap, what is the game? The, I'm trying to see here, it's on the, the PS5, The Pathless. Mm-hmm. It kind of reminds me of that, but if it was in water instead of on big fields. Uh, we are kind of swimming through these water areas as you're fighting enemies and taking out bosses and that kind of stuff going around. Mm-hmm. Uh, some pretty cool looking stuff. So that'll be out sometime next year uh, for console and PC people. If you're on Stadia, it's out now. Mm-hmm. Uh, this next one, they are publishing a game from Sluggerfly called Hellpie. It's a 3D platformer with a demon that is uh, attached to uh, a angel. Mm-hmm. I think it's called see Nate and his pet angel nugget. Mm. Uh, 3d platformer 
that is uh, looking pretty nice. A uh, bit of a weird looking game, all that kind of stuff. But yeah, it's going to be out on console and PC next year. Mm-hmm. Uh, worth uh, keeping an eye on that one. Let's see. The next game here is coming from Digital Kingdom. It is what they call a shoot 'em up like. Yeah. Swordship for console and PC next year. Mm. Uh, the trailer looks pretty neat. It's not really a shmup, uh, but you are sort of dodging. Uh, Enemy ships firing at you as you're sort of getting around. The story is pretty neat. In a far future, Earth's temperature has become too high to live on land. To survive, mankind has built gigantic underwater cities where the upper class lives. The poorest are forced to live on land, hiding in caves and waiting for a sunset to come out. To survive, they steal containers off the transport lines that connect the underwater cities, mostly without success. One day, yellow unmanned ships appear all over the world and start stealing containers. Are they stealing from the rich to give to the poor, building powerful ships for their own sake, or just looking for fame? Mm. So yeah, that's a, a neat-looking game there, Sword Ship. Mm-hmm. And the last one here is coming from a regular studio, a game called Togus, T-O-G-G-E-S. Mm-hmm. That is a 3D platformer where you're sort of uh, building out these uh, blocks as a means of getting around. Mm. Uh, yeah, that looks... Pretty neat. That's, again, also on PC and consoles, but uh, no specification for uh, release other than just 2022. Yeah, no specific consoles mentioned here, so could be all of them, could be one of them, who knows, but uh, some neat-looking games they got announced there from Thunderfall, and there's even a bunch more stuff that I just didn't have room for. But yeah, also getting announced this week is a Neat little like adventure game called Little Kitty Big City, uh, where you play as a cat that has gotten lost in a big city, mm-hmm. uh, and you go talk to other animals, complete quests, that kind of stuff, trying to find your way home, or you can just be a cat and just get into trouble uh, if you want. There's hats for the cats, so if you want to make your cat look uh, extra weird and silly, mm-hmm. you can do that. Uh, but that is out on console and PC sometime next year. Mm. So yeah, there's a, a handful of announcements there. Some neat stuff. Yeah. If I'm going to be keeping an eye on some of that stuff, let's see here. Oh yeah, Q Games announced mm-hmm. that they have acquired the Tomorrow Children IP from Sony mm-hmm. and attend on bringing the game back. Mm. Yeah, Dylan Cuthbert has mentioned that he's already working on it. Mm-hmm. Uh, this new version, I'd imagine that it'll probably be coming to PS5 at some point, maybe PC as well. And that was a very interesting game when that got released. I didn't even realize that was also on the PS4 mm-hmm. when it came out. I thought it was on the PS3, but that was a very neat game. Was, I think he calls it here. Uh, let's see. I think he calls it something. Oh, yeah, the, the Neo-Soviet World. Mm-hmm. of this game where it's got a very kind of uh, specific look to it that still is very striking and unique. Nothing else. Oh, like yeah. It. I don't think it's done anything like it. Mm-hmm. And the, it's kind of a very like communal uh, survival crafting kind of game where you uh, have to work with other people to build stuff, sort of build defenses for the town is... Mm-hmm. Uh, Big ants and kaiju and other kind of stuff will attack. 
every once in a while and other people are going off to these other areas to mine supplies uh, and resources for the town, that kind of stuff. You even have to wait in line uh, to use, you know, the crafting benches and other stuff uh, with specific spots on the ground for getting in line. Mm -hmm. But I think that game probably came out a little too early because it seems like the, the sort of thing that would do really well now versus when it came out. So uh, that's exciting for them. Mm -hmm. Dylan Cuthbert has been retweeting Tomorrow Children stuff for years on his Twitter mm -hmm. that people do. Uh, so that's uh, great that he gets to work on it again and bring it back for uh, a new generation. Mm -hmm. yeah, it came out in 2016. That feels like that was longer ago. But yeah, yeah. That's, uh, good to see. And uh, Brandon, do you remember the Lies of P? game that we yes, talked about. Like it was like maybe it was either early this year or maybe last year, I forget. Yeah. Uh, yeah. The, the weird game that looked like it might be a Bloodborne style game. Yeah. Uh, with Pinocchio and we finally got uh, an alpha gameplay trailer of this yeah. game. And, and boy did we much, call it. <laughs> yeah. It very much is that. Yeah. The uh, thing I wasn't expecting is it seems like the other Enemies you're fighting are other puppets. Mm -hmm. It seems like uh, you yeah. have your left arm is a uh, is something that can be replaced with like a mm -hmm. grappling hook and other types of tools or weapons. Maybe uh, I guess that one part of the trailer they show a puppet that has been hanged with an APAB sign mm -hmm. on it. Uh, assume means all puppets are bastards instead of all cops are bastards. Yeah, <laughs> kind of reference. So I don't know what's been going on in this world, but yeah, uh, things are messed up. Yeah, uh, and uh, anybody's wondering is like, yeah, how could you possibly take Pinocchio and turn it into a Bloodborne game? Well, I mean, have you read the original Pinocchio? <laughs> uh. Let me tell you, the Disney movie tones down a lot of stuff. And even then, that Disney movie gets dark at times. Oh, yeah. There are parts of that that are pure nightmare fuel. Um, so, yeah, it could totally work. Yeah, so that is uh, in the works. It seems like it's going to be out maybe in 2023 on the new consoles and PC. Mm -hmm. So very much looks neat. Mm-hmm. Looking forward to see more of that. Hopefully it comes together well. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that is a South Korean studio that is making it. Round 8 studio. Mm -hmm. But yeah, that's uh, that's Lies of P. Let's get to some other stuff here. Uh, so yeah, there was this uh, metal guitarist mm -hmm. who worked at Amazon, wanted to start his own band. Mm -hmm. Decided to call it Doom Scroll mm -hmm. because of you know the term for you know, being on social media and just constantly scrolling down to see what other bad news and shit's going on in the world. Mm -hmm. And he's like, oh, that's a pretty cool name to use. Mm -hmm. uh, used it, trademarked it. And I think there's a 30-day period where other companies can potentially petition it. Mm -hmm. And then maybe infringes on their trademarks or whatever. Uh, seemed like it was going to be good to go. And then on the very last day, 
he got an email from a lawyer who represented id software mm -hmm. and the lawyer asked him to extend the 30-day trademark deadline in order to avoid any legal action would you feel weird felt weird after getting the email saying that he was a big fan of the doom games as a kid and now the the studio was mad at him for calling his band doom scroll which has nothing to do with the games Mm -hmm. uh, as he says here they're trying to take something away from me that is completely unrelated to them because mm -hmm. he's filing for yeah. a trademark for a band name which has no crossover with yeah doom games <sighs> yeah um i have a feeling that all this bad press is probably going to make them back down I don't know. Bethesda's lawyers have done this kind of shit for years, and yeah, they generally like to bully around small devs and small groups because it's more easier to threaten them with, you know, years of legal suits. Mm -hmm. Even if they were to eventually lose, it would be a financial toll that would uh, cause these people to back down and just change the name in a way that's just like it's just really legal bullshit. Mm-hmm. Uh, just being a, a bully, legal bully. Mm -hmm. And yeah, that's uh, yeah. It seems like they've even gone after in the past a rock metal event called Maryland Doom Fest, mm -hmm. a podcast titled Garden of Doom, mm. which is yeah, very, very weird and silly ways of defending your copyright, which has nothing to do with them. Because mm -hmm. it's not like. Metal is the thing that is doesn't cover thing you know concepts like doom. Mm. Uh, I don't know what the Garden of Doom podcast is about, but uh, there's uh, plenty of reasons they should just fucking move on instead of trying to bully their way through this stuff. Mm -hmm. But I'm sure he will just change the name to something else and move on, and not deal with these big name lawyers that would be a shame anyway but uh yeah let's get to some other news here the far cry 5 creative director dan hay who's been a executive producer on the series for over 10 years at this point since far cry 3 launched mm -hmm. he's been a part of all of those games since then uh three four five blood dragon primal new dawn uh, he announced that he has left the company, I think as of Friday, uh, to work on some new stuff. Here he says, uh, after more than 10 years at Ubisoft, Dan Hay has announced that he will be pursuing a new chapter in his professional life, and he will be leaving November 12th. Mm -hmm. And has been executive director of Far Cry and has developed an, ex an incredible multidiscipline team to produce what has become one of the most popular games in Ubisoft's history. While Dan has not announced where his path has taken him, we are confident that it will offer him the new challenges and experiences he seeks and deserves. We thank Dan for his many contributions over the years and mm -hmm. wish him all the best for the future. Yeah, I believe this is the guy you've seen at Ubisoft press conferences before. Yeah. Doing the the presentations for Far Cry, cursing, all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. That has really kind of stood out at E3s in the past. Mm -hmm. So it's a shame that he's leaving for Ubisoft's sake, but hopefully he works on some cool stuff. Mm-hmm. Because he's got a good track record there. Yeah, let's get to some more good news. Activision Blizzard. Mm -hmm. uh, they've announced that they are going to be increasing the 
uh, pay rate for contractors as well as giving them uh, paid time off with paid holidays. Good. I think the pay rate is going to be at a minimum of $17 an hour. And yeah, going to give them paid holidays off. Uh, so that is part of the good announcements they've been announcing of late that uh, the Activision Blizzard uh, Workers Alliance has been working on. Mm-hmm. So that is good because, yeah, the contractors are typically the the group of people that get screwed over the most in these sort of things because they technically don't work for the company. They're on a contract basis, mm-hmm. you know, for whatever amount of time they need them before launch and even after launch to test games, uh, maybe do arts and whatever other sort of limited time positions they need them for. Mm-hmm. Even though they can keep them around for years, uh, they uh, don't get treated well at all. You know, maybe don't get credits in the game. Maybe don't get invited to parties. Uh, all that kind of the bonus perks of that stuff. Yeah, it seems like they'll get 13 paid holidays a year, new sick leave days beginning in 2022, and quote new learning and development programs for employees and temporary workers. Mm-hmm. So that's good news. Hopefully, keep hearing more good news out of them. Uh, so that's. Good to know. Mm. And our final thing here is about the Game Awards. Yep, it's coming. Yeah, it's next month. I think it's the... I'm not sure they have a date on here. I think it's the first week of December, usually Thursday, December 9th. Yeah. Jeff Keighley's in the hype yeah. cycle again, saying they are going to have uh, somewhere between 40 to 50 games, the, the biggest show they've had so far. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it's actually going to be in the uh, second week of December. Um, I believe it was the eleventh, or hold on, it's no, it was the ninth. I think it was uh, the ninth. It was the ninth. Um, yeah, like I actually planned on going, but I was actually just told this morning that it's it's invite only. Yeah. So uh, yeah, mm-hmm. cool. So those of you that were invited, cool. Hope you enjoy it or even go. Um, but anyway, like you know, aside from like that salt, um, yeah, forty to fifty games is. It's about what you'd expect, you know. Um, a lot of these are just going to be marketing opportunities or advertising opportunities to, you know, not only get their game out, but you know, to help pay for the show. Um, obviously, nothing like this is free. Uh, not to mention the Microsoft Theater is not a free venue, and you got to be able to have pay for all the ad space to have it on, you know, this many websites hosted and whatnot. But yeah, uh, the Game Awards, in my opinion, has gotten better every mm-hmm. year. Even like last year with like the pandemic happening, like. It was still a really solid show, and like you know, part of what makes it as great as, as great as it is is like you know, Keeley allowing the input from, you know, uh, various experts within the industry, whether they be in journalism, whether they be in like the actual development studios that help pay for the whole thing. Like, it's all just a great celebration, and honestly, like, we're at the point where, in my opinion at least, like, it's almost becoming more important than E3. I mean, you look at you know, the past, uh, or you look at E3 this year, I don't think it was, you know, all that great. Like, uh, aside from, you know, Nintendo and Microsoft, nobody really did much of anything. And at least with the Game Awards, you're seeing everybody come together and show off reasons to be excited for the next year or two. So, yeah, um, I'm definitely looking forward to the show, and um, I'm I'm glad, like, you know, it's, it's continuing to grow. Yeah. It'll be fun. Maybe we'll have to do a uh, a co-stream of it sort of see what new stuff is announced maybe mm-hmm. guess the awards I don't know 
They haven't even announced the nominees, I think, at this point. Mm. I can see all they have right now is moment of the year. That's, I don't know that it's actually, mm. okay, yeah, it does have it on here. Sephiroth and Super Smash Brothers, Perfect Dark's Reveal, The Next Mass Effect, Super Mario Brothers Orchestra, and the Eddie Vedder performance. Yeah. Yeah, I, I know for, uh, you know, November 7th, they actually, that Bioware did put out a uh, somewhat cryptic uh, uh, poster for what's supposed to be the next Mass Effect. So I'm not surprised that they'll uh, be announcing the next one during the Game Awards this year. That could be possible. Mm-hmm. But yeah, that'll be fun to see. But yeah, that's uh, that's kind of it for this week. Some... Some good stuff here, a lot of little announcements, little games getting uh, some details and such, so nothing really huge, and I'll, I don't think we'll get that much in the way of big news until the Game Awards, because mm-hmm. uh, we're getting right into the holiday season where devs are probably getting uh, the week after next off, mm-hmm. or Thanksgiving, for maybe doing uh, a little bit more work before uh, the Christmas season there. Uh, we'll see, but yeah, that's uh, probably going to be a bit light on big news uh, here coming up uh, for a couple more weeks. So that'll be it for the show this week. Thank you to Brandon Damrib for joining again. Always. Uh, we'll be back next week with a new slate of news. And if you enjoy the show, feel free to let your friends and family and uh, select strangers know about it. Mm-hmm. Uh, we always enjoy hearing more uh, people joining the listenership. Mm-hmm. Uh, so yeah, thank you everybody for listening this week. Uh, have a good week going on, and uh, yeah, we'll see you guys next time.